Hello and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Alexander Goldberg, and it's a very special week here in the 805. The Taste of Santa Barbara is finally upon us, a week-long celebration of all things food and wine in Santa Barbara County. The event put on by the Julia Child Foundation and the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience attracts both locals and foodies from all over for a week of food education and immersive dining experiences. Now, Julia Child, a name you've probably heard, she's famous in the culinary community for not only her show The French Chef, but also the legacy she left on the food world. Her motto, well, Julia is quoted for many of her inspiring ethics, but the Taste of Santa Barbara celebrates her passion for educating people about cooking and knowing where your food comes from. In this episode, I visited the Apples to Zucchini Cooking School, a partner of the Taste of Santa Barbara, for a cheese and herb souffle cooking class. Here, I got an inside look at the culinary magic going down this week and how Julia inspired her summertime home, Santa Barbara, to get cooking. But first, here is Todd Shulkin, executive director of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts, who spoke with me about the Taste of Santa Barbara and how it carries out their mission of food education. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. So, Today is the day we are recording this conversation on Monday, May 15th, aka the first day of the Taste of Santa Barbara that goes until Sunday, May 21st. How do you feel? Are you excited? What are your thoughts and feelings and emotions? I am super excited. I think uh, the lineup for this year is bigger and better than ever, but really thoughtfully put together of events that we really feel represent what we're trying to showcase about Santa Barbara and our own ethos for this mixture of both fun and, and learning moments. So I can't wait. There's a lot to unpack here. I first want to talk about some of the general, you know, what is the taste of Santa Barbara and how did Julia Child inspire such an event? But first, I want to hear about your relationship with the food industry and what it was like to have Julia Child as a mentor. Well, you know, Julia was kind of a funny mentor for me because when Julia was alive, I didn't really work in the food world. I had a personal relationship through a family that I married into, and um, Julia was was a friend and a mentor in that way as, as sort of elder to look up to. So it wasn't until much, much later when I got more involved in the food world at, after Julia had already died that it kind of came together. So when I think about Julia, it's in this much more personal way of what an amazing person she was. And I also work in the movie business and Julia, many people don't know, loved movies and went to the movies. So when I saw Julia, she would give me Pepperidge Farm goldfish crackers and we'd talk about what movies she'd just seen. That's too funny. And you talk about Pepperidge Farm goldfish crackers, but she is such an inspiration in the food and ag and drink communities and industries, what are some of your personal memories with Childs that maybe encompasses her impact on not only your life, but the lives of many? In a little bit different way through my role with the foundation of hearing from so many people what Julia meant to them and whether they met her or didn't meet her or always wanted to meet her, I think it's that she was able to inspire people in different ways at different moments. You know, she's inspiring because 
she figured out her life and career and professional aspirations at a much later point in life, especially for her generation. And, you know, kind of started over in a way, and people take a lot of inspiration from that. When I talk to people who are professional chefs in the food world, I just saw Wolfgang Puck the other night, and he just lit up when I said where I worked. And and so I think what Julia meant to, you know, those famous bright lights in the food world, she meant to them as someone who inspired them to keep going, be themselves, and feel like that they could make a contribution to the American food landscape, that there was a place for everybody, especially if they were true to themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think what's most interesting about Julia is she never called herself a chef. And that's such an interesting bit about who she really is and how she saw herself in the community, knowing that she was trained in French cuisine but she almost sees her role in the community as maybe more of an educator or an inspiration rather than a chef. So kind of hinging on this, what is her legacy? Julia deliberately did not call herself a chef. She did not personally pick the title to her first TV show, The French Chef. So she was always a little uncomfortable with that. Um, that was before she had enough, you know, sort of power to say, I'm deciding my own titles. But I, I think she did that for a very key reason, which is, she admired chefs, and I was recently talking about this, that the word chef in itself does not mean to cook. It means to lead or be in charge. And it's been merged by the French because they apply it that way. But but you can be a chef, just like in Spanish, a jefe, a boss. And she felt like she didn't run a restaurant. She didn't run a professional kitchen. And that title and moniker is beyond cook. And so that was what she was, you know, what was really important to her. And I think, as you say, that some of her legacy is understanding those distinctions, having reverences for chefs, but also that point that I think more and more people in the food world are making today, that when you're cooking at home, you are not running a Michelin three-star restaurant. You don't need to have that aspiration. And no Michelin three-star chef cooks that way at home. And I and I think that was really important to Julia, that cooking at home should be fun. It should be nourishing. It should be pleasurable and you should enjoy it because of all the benefits you get from it. And I think that's really what Julia's ethos was about. She was passionate about two things. She was passionate about elevating chefs in society, and she was passionate about teaching people to enjoy cooking at home for their friends and family. Yes. And thank you for making that distinction. And I'm glad you brought up cooking at home because that truly is her essence. And that's the points that she's trying to amplify. But now I want to move the conversation into what is the Taste of Santa Barbara and what can attendees expect this year? Yes, I'm thinking about the irony because actually the Taste of Santa Barbara is not that much about cooking at home. It's about being out of home very much. And so when the foundation worked with the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience, which is an extension of the foundation in, in Santa Barbara, it was very much to showcase everything that Santa Barbara has to offer in the hospitality and food and agriculture space. And so the design of the Taste of Santa Barbara is to give locals and people from all over California and farther afield distinct opportunities to experience all those different aspects, whether it's coming for a visit, going to a cooking class, as you're going to do to, to, to learn souffles from a local teacher, or whether it's to immerse yourself in Julia content and why she loves Santa Barbara. 
as Lauren Salkeld, my colleague and, and Phyla Cousins, Julia's niece, are going to be talking about at their event on Friday morning, whether it's to go get special menus from the various restaurants or it's to do one of our favorites, the Taste of Santa Barbara Wines, where we're bringing uh, vintners from all over the county to the center of, of Santa Barbara in one of America's oldest venues, El Presidio. I love the history of that, and it's such a special setting. We're trying to showcase all that Julia loved about Santa Barbara that's only just bloomed and blossomed since Julia's time there, and really share it with a wider audience and spotlight it and extend the appreciation of what we think are these outsized elements happening you know, because Santa Barbara is not that big of a place. So we think that it kind of over indexes on all these things. So we're really trying to celebrate that. And and like Julia did, really share it with a wider audience. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting you mentioned that Santa Barbara is not really that big of a place, but at the same time, agriculture is the number one sector in the Central Coast. So this is truly an ode to our industry and what really powers the Central Coast. That's, I think, one of the least understood parts, particularly about from visitors who are coming for a fun weekend, about a big part of the Santa Barbara regional economy. And some of the ways we're showcasing that is through farm tours and wine tours, where you can experience firsthand how things are grown and made and even fished from the sea. I'm excited about the abalone um, journey. So those are some of the ways we're trying to bring those aspects. That even comes down to what we do at the Taste of Santa Barbara Wines, where we hear from the vintners about, you know, growing grapes is a really big part of making wine, and a huge number of Santa Barbara wines are estate-grown. And so the people who work at the vineyards are a very big part of um, how that comes together. One of the main things that I found cruising on the Taste of Santa Barbara website is the Julia Child's Guide, which is an interactive map. And it's just terrific. I mean, I think my favorite quote is that Child admittedly enjoyed fast food with, quote, in and out fries and a Costco hot dog were among her favorites. But then on the map, there's also an extensive list of maybe the more posh restaurants like San Ysidro Ranch, The Lark, and The Rosewood. So can you tell me more about the taste of Santa Barbara allowing folks to, quote, follow in Julia's footsteps? So I love that you brought up the guide because that is a really fun part of, of what we put together. And it's a self-guided map where you can, as you said, follow in Julia's footsteps to many of the places that she loved. Now, to be fair, the map is a little bit of amalgamation. There's some things in there that, like the Lark that didn't exist in Julia's day, but it gives you a sense of both Julia's favorite things and places, as well as the kind of modern evolution of those things, of things that are in the foundations world and, and uh, you know, share support with us for the taste of Santa Barbara. And as you said, yeah, I think people had this impression that, you know, Julie was eating these like elaborate 10 course meals all the time when she was very down to earth. And like you said, she liked a Costco hot dog and she liked an In-N-Out burger. She's a California girl. I think people forget that. She was born and raised in Pasadena and she went to the Santa Barbara region in, in her summers. So that was, you know, and she came of age when, you know, fast food was sort of invented. Those are all facets of her and, you know, I think quite fun for people to be able to walk in her footsteps and it takes you all around the region. So you get a really good, good sense of that. So we, you can download that from sbce.events. 
So now I'm off to attend the souffle perfection class taught by Chef Pascal Beal of Pascal's Kitchen. And I must ask, what tips or mindset even would Julia Child tell me, a very rookie chef, going into the souffle class where, by the way, I've never attempted this dish and I'm a little bit nervous to screw it up? Well, Julia would say two things. Have no fear. Dive right in. And guess what? You might screw it up and that's okay. That's how you'll learn to make a bigger souffle. And I'll tell you the other thing that Julia would say and I would say about souffles. Souffles are very relative to the weather. And so there are things in souffle making that are beyond one's control. So you have to just accept those things and have fun with it. But, you know, Pascal's a great teacher. Listen to what she says. It's all it's all about two things, making sure you get your egg whites, you know, uh, beaten and fluffy enough and then it's all about how carefully you fold in so you you don't but they're actually not as hard as people think you just have to not panic i love that i will definitely keep all of that in mind in honor of her legacy so thank you so much for sharing that it was a pleasure to have you on the show and now i am off to the souffle class i can't wait to hear what you made and and how it tasted the Apples to Zucchini Cooking School sits at the top of a narrow dirt road right by the Santa Barbara Mission. The beauty of the architecture is a perfect setting for the A to Z garden, where kids in the summertime get to walk around and nibble on fresh green beans or play summer camp games in the yard. But today, the table was set for 16 people to be exact, who would soon dine on a freshly baked souffle taught by the owner of Pascal's Kitchen and cookbook author, Pascal Beal. I've been teaching, I have a cooking school here in Santa Barbara called Pascal's Kitchen, which I started in 1999 and I specialize in Mediterranean cooking. Uh, the souffle class, part of the reason why I'm teaching it for this uh, event is that this is a dish that I made for Julia many years ago. And um, there's a whole story that goes with that as to why I made her souffle. And she was, I had read somewhere that it was one of her favorite dishes. And so I made it for her and it was just lunch, just she and I. And I put it down in front of her. And the time it took me to go back into the kitchen, get the salad and everything that was going with it, she had basically taken a big spoon and put two-thirds of the souffle on her plate and started eating the whole thing before I even got the salad down on the table. So she liked the souffle, so I was really pleased. Um, it's one of my favorite dishes. I learned to make this when I was a little girl. My grandmother, my mom made them, and I learned to make it with them. Um, I have no professional training. I never went to culinary school. But I'm a cookbook author, food writer, I'm a columnist for Edible, and my 10th cookbook just um, is coming out, and that's a different, it's a multimedia cookbook, so it's a different type of cookbook, and that's out now. So between the cooking school and the product line, and I have an online store, so it's been a whole different realm of different things that I do with, with cooking and cooking approach really from the standpoint of eating locally eating seasonally and um, just making the best of what you have right in your backyard that's what I like to do for me cooking and eating is about sharing food with people you know she really believed in using things at their optimum and she was very much one of the sort of proponents of eating seasonally because when she was cooking uh, you could only find what had grown seasonally and locally. You didn't have apricots in December. 
because they weren't flown halfway around the world. You know, you got apricots when they were in season, you took advantage of them, the season lasted six weeks and that was it. So that's what you needed to, to do. And that's very much how I grew up. I'm half French and half English and I was taught to cook by my French grandmother and mother and that's what I learned to do. I always refer to my grandmother as my French Julia because in fact when I read Julia's books uh, when I looked at what she wrote I thought this is my this is my grandmother's cooking this is exactly what she used to make so they're very they're kindred spirits and my grandmother came from Normandy so there was this love of butter and cream which translated on both sides of the Atlantic so that was great this class is absolutely about making something with friends and then sitting down and eating it together. And that's what I love to do. That's what I teach in every class. The values of A to Z cooking school are absolutely clear. Cooking at home is nutritious, easy, and affordable. But Nancy Martz, executive director at A to Z, said cooking at home has been lost. Now, Ada Z hopes to inspire Santa Barbara to take part in their mission. So I started the organization in 2016. Um, I, my kids were younger, and one of them did a class. Um, in a math class, they did the $1.50 food challenge. Like, can you live on a, what does it feel like to have a $1.50's worth of food in your belly every day? And if you're a family of four, that's $42 a week. It's possible to feed a family of four on $42 a week, but only if you actually know how to cook. If you're buying frozen pizza, if you're going through the drive-through, if you're getting um, the deli foods at the grocery store, like, you know, the prepared foods, you're not, you can't feed your family for $42. You've got to buy bags of potatoes, bags of rice, dried beans, um, fresh produce. Ideally, you're getting some produce, you know, just off of trees and things like that around. So this idea of cooking for yourself and cooking at home has really been lost. We don't have mandated home ec in California anymore. So um, most people are getting their culinary education from watching cooking shows, um, which, of course, Julia Child was the, you know, the OG cooking show. And a lot of people, women in particular, learned how to cook by watching Julia Child on TV. And then, of course, she spawned all, I mean, everything flows from Julia Child. It's amazing that one woman, you know, really, really did that. And one of the things about Julia that really resonates with me and that we kind of live by here is oh you made a mistake don't worry just uh, sprinkle it with some herbs or plate it differently or you know what we just won't serve that one we'll eat it in the kitchen for ourselves like guys this is not a crisis like I'm always telling them guys we are not operating on somebody we are cooking it's okay um and if you throw in some flavors and you taste it and that, that you didn't like it, well, you just learned that those two flavors don't go together. That's all right, too. So, so much of what we do here is about getting people comfortable and confident and having enough skills to cook for themselves, but enough confidence to say, well, I don't have to have all the skills. I just have to have enough skills. I love sort of that aha moment. And a lot of times the aha is Oh my gosh, I had no idea that was so easy. Delicious, nutritious, and affordable food. Um, and sitting down at a communal table and enjoying it together and building community around that. Um, for me also as an instructor in food as medicine, my 
sole purpose really is to get people to love cooking. Because when they start, you I've seen it now with we have the we've had almost 100% retention from all three sessions, and they're learning a lot, and they're cooking more, and they're doing more things at home. And when you do that, you go to the farmer's market and you get healthy food. You're naturally going to start eating healthier than if you're stopping at fast food or whatever to get your family food. You just heard Jeff King, coordinator of the adult cooking classes here at A to Z, who is hosting classes all summer long. And after chatting with him, a must-try class is his sourdough bread journey. I even got to try a bite of a fresh loaf, and it was delicious. Now, I sat down with Donna Yen, executive director of the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience, who is tying this all together for us. How does A to Z cooking school fit within the mission of the Taste of Santa Barbara and Julia Child's legacy? And how can listeners partake in some of the events going down the rest of the week? So uh, my name is Donna Yen. I'm the executive director of the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience in partnership with the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. Thank you so much, Donna, for joining me on the show today. So We just wrapped up the cooking class at the Apples to Zucchini Cooking School. And my question is, how does this class tie into the vision and the mission of the Taste of Santa Barbara? You know, it all kind of started with this quote, you know, Julia Child always said, I'm not a chef, I'm a teacher and cook. Um, And this is why, you know, we thought it was so important that we team up with A to Z Cooking School to create cooking classes for our programming this year for Taste of Santa Barbara. A to Z brings people together over shared meals and they teach children, they're teaching teens and adults how to prepare delicious and nutritious, um, affordable meals at home. And so, you know, we thought it would be so much fun to team up with this nonprofit and create some amazing classes this week with really, really talented instructors, you know, and these instructors are um, teaching recipes and techniques that will hopefully inspire, you know, Santa Barbara's community to cook more in the kitchen. Some of the, you know, experts we're bringing in are like pastry chef Levi Richard. He's like this awesome pastry chef over at Grain and Grounds, um, over at the Shumash Casino Resort. He's making like life-size like gingerbread houses and doing all kinds of chocolate work that I've never seen before. We also have Lokita's executive chef, Sarahay Simonov, um, who's like leading a paella class on Wednesday. And also Sunday, we have this really fun food stylist, Diana Yen, who's um, going to show everyone how to style the perfect cheese plate and make these edible yellow um, butter roses to put on their plates. So it's just all really fun, exciting classes that we just want to inspire folks to be cooking at home just like Julia. Wow. I love that you mentioned some of the other programs going on this week with the cheese boards and the paella class. That just sounds terrific. And I definitely would love to attend those. And moving into the legacy of Julia Child, I know that you mentioned kind of her famous quote, I'm not a chef, I'm a teacher, I'm an educator. But looking into this bigger picture, how is her legacy of educating all people about cooking, the importance of knowing where your food comes from, cooking at home, how does that all tie in? Yeah, actually, it's kind of like the foundation of all of our programming, you know, Um, Taste of Santa Barbara, it's not your typical food and wine festival, you know, we think eating and drinking is, you know, really fun, but we also think knowing where your food comes from is really important. And Julia just loved our chefs, loved our farmers. Um, You know, she was famously seen at the, the local Santa Barbara's farmers market all the time. You know, this year's program, it would be important to not just highlight our, you know, our, you know, our restaurants and chefs and 
Um, but also our winemakers are, you know, our producers, including this um, cooking series is farm tours. Um, we have farm tours this weekend. And I think a lot of people don't usually get access to these working farms, but, you know, we're working with, you know, the folks over at um, Culture Abalone, who's working on aquaculture and growing abalone, which has, you know, is a delicacy. Um, and it's grown right here in Goleta. There's also um, Stefan. Um, he's like a rancher over at Las Cumbres Ranch, and he's doing a tour of his Bonsmara cattle and how important cattle are. And, you know, his are so special. Um, they help with brush and brush fires too. It's just really cool because Santa Barbara, I feel like unlike any other food scene, like you really get to see a whole food system in play. And I think with all of our programming this year, we thought it was really important that we showcase that in some some shape or form. To Julia's point, you know, yeah, we really want people to inspire. We really want people to learn and just know where how to eat and drink well and also know where their food comes from. Donna, I can hear just from you speaking about this, your passion for the food and ag industry here in Santa Barbara. So on a more personal level, what's your relationship with food and drink and hospitality in Santa Barbara? That's so funny you say that. <laughs> Before this, I, you know, I spent time in New York and Los Angeles when I was brought on to kind of help out with this programming. Um, for the longest time, I was doing events actually in New York City. Um, I was like, what? Santa Barbara? Like, I don't know anything about Santa Barbara's food scene. And so the last two years, I've had the pleasure of like exploring Santa Barbara and it's been so much fun. And it's like, I've just been, I've, I've fallen in love with it. And I think it's unlike any other food scene I've, I've come across. And I think it's, yeah, like I mentioned, just being able to see this whole food system in play, like the fact that, you know, you can get the freshest seafood and it's, everything's just right there in the back, in, in your backyard, you know, and just seeing also like, you know, that I think the term farm to table is used a lot in restaurants, but I, I, I really, I truly see that here in Santa Barbara. Like I see the farmers hanging out in the dining rooms um, at these restaurants and I see this real like tight closeness with all of our farmers and chefs here and our producers. And so it's just unlike, unlike any other food scene I, I've come across and it's so much fun to explore and it's just so beautiful. And the people are just the best here. I really have the best job. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're so right. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. And that's truly the essence of, you know, the table brings people together. And that's what makes this so special. So before we wrap up the conversation, is there anything else you would like to add? If people wanted to also check out our other events outside of the cooking classes, we still have plenty of tickets left. This Friday night, we actually have a Julie Child watch party um, over at the New Vic Theater from 7 to 9 p.m. And we have celebrity chefs um, Nancy Silverton and Susan Feniger joining us. And we'll be playing some iconic cooking episodes of Julia. They actually both got to film um, some early episodes um, with Julia. So they'll be sharing their experiences there on stage. And then Sunday is our culminating kind of big finale for Taste of Santa Barbara. And that is Taste of Santa Barbara Wines. That is from 1 to 4 p.m. And it's going to be at the El Presidio. And tickets are just $60. And we'll be celebrating our winemakers, our you know, local food artisans and restaurants. There'll be music, fabulous wine. And some really fun, fun experiences there, like including an aquapana and caviar experience that I do not want anyone to miss. So 
we really want people to come on by on Sunday afternoon at the Presidio to help celebrate the end of Taste of Santa Barbara with us. I just wanted to let people know that they can also stay up to date on our events. We'll be doing more throughout the year. So if people really enjoy Taste of Santa Barbara, we really encourage everyone to follow us on Instagram at SB Culinary Experience. Um, they can also visit us on sbce.events and they can subscribe to our newsletter there. Thank you so much, Alexandra. I really appreciate chatting with you and thank you so much um, just for talking about Taste of Santa Barbara. It means so much to us. Thank you so much again, Donna, for joining me on the show today. Now, we're not quite done yet. The Indie Pod really dove into all things food and nutrition, but now let's bring in some drinks. When I first heard about Duncan and Delita Harmon, a mother-son duo who opened up a winery called Terre et Song in Los Olivos, some might say they truly finish each other's sentences, and they absolutely do. This is such a unique story that truly reflects the power in family and passion. The indie reporter Rebecca Fairweather joined them in the vineyards today. A mother-son duo is taking on the wine industry in their new tasting room in Los Olivos, California. Duncan and Delita Harmon created a winery that combines family and vines. The duo is dedicated to bottling perfection. While they're new to the wine business, the two have created a blend of grapes sourced from top vineyards that have gone on to grab the attention of Santa Barbara and the international wine community. The mother and son have tasted numerous wines from around the world and want to bring their experience to the Los Olivos community. They recently opened their doors on Grand Avenue where you can get a taste of bottles like the Patriarch, a Syrah which has hints of darker berry fruits and pepper, or Kissing Vipers, a Grenache with notes of red fruits and an aroma of florals. These flavors dance in harmony with the cool, relaxed vibe of the tasting room making space for conversation with family and friends easy. Every bottle is crafted from the Harmons, calling the process a labor of love. Today, you'll hear about how the two are working together and how they balance family with business. I am Duncan Harmon. I'm the owner and winemaker of Terrace Long Winery. And I'm Delita Harmon, the co-owner, and I'm called The Mom. You're both seeing each other in a different role than a lot of mother-son relationships. Oh, yeah. You're seeing That's each for other sure, yeah. as, you know, business partners, but also mother and son. So how has that been since opening your doors here and opening the doors to your winery? How has dealing with business been? Incredible. Duncan has, besides his talent as a winemaker, and that has actually blown me away over the last couple of years where he's gotten himself. I mean, just really has blown my mind. But he's also got a very good business mind. Believe it or not, I mean, he is Mr. Spreadsheet. I almost can stand outside of and I any role and just admire this person, this person that he's become, besides being kind and loving and all those wonderful things <laughs> that I would say if, well, if I wasn't my, worried about embarrassing him. My mom is, him, but... is a highly accomplished on her own yeah. businesswoman. I mean, she's been in, she's had many careers in her life, all of which have been extremely success successful, no matter what endeavor it's been. And so I look at her as an like endless resource of guidance and knowledge on a lot of these things. And so I feel empowered and safe 
to make a lot of very difficult decisions because she is there to say it's either a good idea or a bad idea or consider this. Um, and she's, I mean, we're each other's sounding board and we're each other's, I don't know. I, we, I mean, we check each other on just about, I mean, everything. I mean, every decision we make, we make together. So yeah, um, it's been great. It, there's a lot of great aspects to it that I think people might not expect. They probably think that mother and son business teams would just fight all the time. My mom, because I'm her son, she thinks very long-term. What's the long-term outlook of this decision? 30 years from now, she still wants this to be existent and successful. And so I'm not sure that if it was just my friend that I was using as a sounding board or just a basic business partner, that that kind of outlook would be there. And that's, I think, really important, particularly in an, in an industry, in a game, that you have to think long-term. So seeing you and hearing you talk, you both hold so much respect and love for each other, mm -hmm. which is so special. I, I'll kind of segue into discussing a little bit more about the wine, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how has, you know, having the love for each other and the love for your team and making wine been translated into the glass, into the bottle? This is a very intense thing. Now, I, I don't think everyone in this industry approaches it the way that we do, which is extreme attention to detail, um, really high level thinking and decision making and, you know, execution with the utmost uh, focus. This is it's an extremely hard thing to do. It's very physical. It's a marathon that sort of never ends. It's kind of like a stress test that's out of control. I mean, I, it, it's very difficult to paint a picture of how much work it is all the time. And then you go into harvest and that just dial turns up to 11. But we're loving it but and we're it. laughing the whole time. And through my careers in this, we're not doing brain surgery, right? Yeah, you can be, be serious, but don't take yourself seriously, oh, yeah. right. right? And so there's a lightness, I guess, or a, yeah. I mean, the seller is hilarious. We could have done an 18 hour day and we're in there, you know, cranking music and laughing. Yeah. There's only three of us. Now, wow. family and friends come in and help on the sorting table and, you know, <laughs> Dipping bottles, dip, doing our waxing and stuff like that. But, and then it gets down to two of us making, you know, doing the farming side and the pick yeah. calls and sourcing and doing all that. So, and the marketing and the media. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything, everything. Still paying. Yeah. yeah. Designing the menu. Oh, that's in, incredible. And once again, just incredibly unique, I think, too, especially to wine, which. I don't know, drinking and the community aspect of drinking, especially a glass of wine, is really important. Like you said, setting a mood, setting a vibe. When you just said that community aspect thing, I, honestly, I got little shivers. Because, I mean, that's what we're trying to create here. People that live around here have come back in. They're like, oh, we first discovered you. We were walking our dog, and they came in that night. And then they've come back, and they just have the best time. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and that, that's fun. We are trying to create more of a community thing here. Yeah. And I'll answer your other question. Somebody <laughs> wanting to get into the industry, make sure you are interested in waking up every single day and doing only that because it will take nothing less than 100% or more of your effort to not just make the wine, but sell it and make a brand and all of that. It is a business. And you're four years in before anything yeah. ever. It's a business you through and through, but it's a particularly difficult one because you're fighting saturation. You have to have a very strong vision and 
a lot of determination and yeah, be clear why you want to do it. Yeah. And that's what makes the difference. Because there are other ways to do it. Be clear and talk to, I would say anybody who's interested, talk to industry professionals. That's the one thing I will tell you that I have been in a lot of different industries that I found the most surprising and it's something I've really enjoyed. It's very collegial and that's very unique. You know, it's a community among itself. So that's been very cool and truthfully a bit of a surprise to me. You said it's a four-year investment at least. It's yeah. like a kid, you know? You, right. you're, you're doing it from the beginning and you're raising it to the end and mm -hmm. you want to put out the best product and you want to make sure that it, it's something that you can enjoy with yeah. everybody. Still, every time I pour for someone and we're talking to them, I feel like I'm sharing who we are when I'm pouring it without saying a word. We've talked about the labor mm -hmm. and the work, but what drives us is the love of doing it. You know, and it is. Um, you have to love analyzing the grapes and sorting them and yeah. touching and doing all of that. And all of that love is in that bottle. And so it's a very rewarding thing. That's what I was going to say when I get to pour some of that for someone. And I'm like, you know, here's the love we have in that. It does, I don't it does sound... inspire you to keep doing it. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sound corny about it, but it's, <laughs> I feel that way. And we've actually had people without, we never talk about this with anybody, but we've had people, strangers come in, tasting room, and they've said, you know what? I taste the love. The duo's dedication and passion in creating an elegant sip can be something that you and your family can experience too. Even this past Mother's Day, the Harmons picked up the check for moms as a thank you for their endless commitment and devotion. You can visit them at their new tasting space on 2982 Grand Avenue, Los Olivos, California. Thank you for joining us here today on The Indie. I'm Rebecca Fairweather. Thank you so much, Duncan and Delita Harmon, for coming on the show today. That's it for this week. And as always, you can find more information in our show notes and follow us on Instagram at The Indie Pod to stay up to date with the team. From the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent, you're listening to The Indie. I'm your host, Alexandra Goldberg, and we'll see you next time.